welcome to Let's Talk Family Law, a podcast focusing on all aspects of family law. Now to our attorneys to tell you about today's featured episode. Thank you and hello. My name is Skip Persick and I'm an attorney at uh, Weber Gallagher in the Family Law Department and with me today is Carolyn Mirable and welcome to the uh, season one, episode one of uh, talking, uh, let's talk family law. And today we're going to talk about child support. Uh, Carolyn and I uh, work out of the Norristown office of a Philadelphia law firm called Weber Gallagher, and we're going. Or we practice most specifically in the counties of suburban Philadelphia. However, the information we're going to talk about today is applicable to any of the counties in Pennsylvania. So, uh, uh, if you are outside the Philadelphia area. Uh, but still in Pennsylvania, what we say is uh, equally applicable to uh, you as well. And um, at the end, we'll give you our contact information, but we're happy to talk to you about your questions about child support. Uh, Carolyn, if I were to say, uh, what is child support? What, what would you say? Well, child support is basically uh, based on statewide guidelines in Pennsylvania. And anyone who has physical custody of a child or children who are minors under the age of 18 and have not graduated from high school are entitled to payments pursuant to our guidelines. Okay, and um, uh, so parents of a child are entitled to child support, correct? Yes. Okay, and how about somebody that's a caregiver that is not a parent? Um, If they have either physical custody by court order or what we refer to as de facto custody, where in fact the children are living with them and providing support for them, then they would be entitled to file as well. Now you said child support, I think you, uh, I think you said uh, up to age 18, is that what you said? Um, so in Pennsylvania, a parent or a guardian or caregiver that's entitled to receive child support can collect child support for a child who is under age 18 and has not graduated from high school so long as they don't meet any of the other emancipation requirements that would be existing in Pennsylvania. What about kids in college? Normally, kids in college uh, would be considered emancipated, and they would not be entitled to child support. Okay. What about kids with uh, special needs that are in school over age 18? If the person filing for support can prove that that child is not emancipated or incapable of self-supporting, then there may be a basis to continue an obligation for a special needs child after age 18. Do you need to be married to the parent or at one time married to the parent to request child support? No, you do not need to be married to the parent or have been married to the parent in the past, so long as the parent is identified as the biological parent of the child um, or if that parent has acknowledged paternity of the child. Okay. Uh, you said before something about de facto custody. Do you need a custody order to request child support? You don't need a court order. You can have an agreement by both parties that one person has custody of the child, or you can have actual de facto custody, which the court will consider if the child's living with you and you're providing for their needs. Okay. What if uh, you and the other parent have a 50-50 custody arrangement? Can you still get child support? In Pennsylvania, the court allows for child support, but there may be a deviation. The deviation 
starts at 40% and the court looks to overnights, how many overnights a parent has with the child. In a 50-50 arrangement, a parent may still be able to obtain child support. They will look at incomes. And if the incomes are the same, um, there may there may be no order for child support depending on the circumstances. When you say 40%, you mean 40% of the overnights? Yes, in a year, they look at um, the days in the year and if the one parent can show that they have 40% of the overnights in one year, they would, they would be entitled to a deviation. Say that uh, two parents have been separated for a period of time and they've even gotten divorced during that period of time uh, and one child just didn't bother to seek child support from the other. Can you go back and seek child support after the fact that you're divorced? You can always seek child support so long as the child is under age 18 and has not graduated from high school. We would strongly encourage that a parent file, you know, as soon as possible because all child support orders are effective from the date of filing. Okay, and, and what does child support cover? Child support covers um, necessary basic essentials for the child, such as food, clothing, a roof over their head. Um, and basically, the child support covers the day-to-day -day essentials for the child. Now, it does not cover things such as, your basic child support does not cover things such as private school tuition, uh, extracurricular activities, camp, unreimbursed medical expenses, co-pays, or even orthodontia expenses. But those are things that you can still request that would be over and above your basic child support order. So you could get a monthly amount of child support and you can get something over and above that for those special expenses that you just told us about, correct? Yes, and most of the time those special expenses will be proportionately divided between both parents. Okay, can you file for child support for a child that's not born yet? Normally, if you file for child support, it starts from the date that they are born. You can file at the time that you're expected to have the child, but the actual retroactivity does not start until the child is born. Okay. And is it possible to get support for yourself, say a, a mom? Is, a, is it possible for a mom to get support in addition to child support? Yes. In certain circumstances in Pennsylvania, you can get what's entitled to spousal support or alimony pendente lite, and certainly we'll be addressing those issues in f future podcasts. Okay, but I guess to get spousal support, you'd have to be married, correct? In Pennsylvania, you would have to get ma be married. Okay. Can you get child support if you and the other parents still live in the same house? Ordinarily, no. You would not be able to get child support if both parties are in the same house and the expenses are being provided or paid for by each of the parents. Okay. There, there are some exceptions to that. If, if one parent files for child support, does it mean that the other parent then has to be able to see the child? Child support and custody are really dealt with in two different courtrooms and they're really dealt with two different standards. A filing of child support is based on the fact that you have, you have custody of the child for a period of time, the child's under the age of 18, the child hasn't graduated from high school, and there's income to be filed against the other person. But whether or not they can see the child is dealt with in custody court, and those, those are separate issues and separate factors from support. Okay, so just because one parent is paying child support to the other parent doesn't mean that that child automatically gets to see the child and 
the other way around. Just because you're seeing the child doesn't mean that you uh, are obligated to pay child support, correct? Correct. Okay. And do you have some questions for me? Yes, I have some things that um, perhaps you could help us learn about as well. Now, in Pennsylvania, how do you file for child support? Well, there's a couple of different ways that you can do that. The easiest way is to go to the uh, local domestic relations office in your county seat and walk in and walk into the domestic relations office and say oh, you want to file for child support. They'll give you a, a pack of forms that you fill out and you fill those out, hand those back in and they will process that and prepare a child support complaint. And uh, by the county seat of your county, I mean that if you're in Montgomery County, you would go to Norristown. If you're in Chester County, you would go to Westchester. If you're in Carbon County, you would go to Jim Thorpe. So uh, you go to the uh, the local office. You can also do it online. You, if you Google uh, uh, Child Support Pennsylvania, the Department of Human Services has a website and it shows how you can file for child support online. Do I need to bring anything for me with me when I file for child support? Well, the simple answer to that would be no, but the more you bring with you, the better. Uh, if you bring your child's birth certificate, if you bring insurance cards, if you bring any information relative to where the other parent uh, works, that's certainly going to be helpful to the domestic relations staff. But as I said, the simple answer is, uh, 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 is that you don't need to bring anything with you. What about an attorney? Um, should I Do I need an attorney to file on my behalf or do I have to go through an attorney to file for child support? The child support domestic relations offices of the court system of Pennsylvania are pretty user friendly that you do not need a lawyer to go in and file. Your lawyer can file for you if you would like your lawyer to do that or if you have a lawyer, but that is not required. So you do not need a lawyer uh, to come with you to file for child support. Is there a filing fee? The, uh, kind of a yes and no. There, there is, but it will not be required of the person filing. It is something that is tacked on to the bill of costs of the person who is obligated to pay child support. So uh, while there is a filing fee, the person filing does not have to pay that up front. So right now we've learned some information regarding what is child support in Pennsylvania and how we file. Um, do you have any other questions maybe about what happens after I file? Okay, let's let's walk through this process. Now, uh, our, our, our friend has walked into the domestic relations office in Norristown in Montgomery County and they have filed for child support. So, uh, uh, how does the other side find out that, let's use a simple circumstance, that mom has filed for child support? Well, the domestic relations office will send out to the address that's been provided notices that not only has child support been filed for, but a date as to when a support conference will be scheduled. If you have an attorney, we would also send out notices um, to the defendant payor um, notifying them that the child support complaint has been filed and the date of any upcoming support conferences. And how does the other parent find out that the filing has been made? Does it come to them in the mail? Does somebody come and hand it to them? How's that work? The domestic relations office will attempt certified mail and our office as well. We would also try and attempt certified mail of service of the domestic relations complaint. I believe they also send it out by regular mail and if it's not returned, it's presumed that they had received it. If 
If they cannot show service or the person doesn't show up at the domestic relations conference, it may be necessary to serve um, personally. I know that in the county that I'm most familiar with, Chester County here in suburban Philadelphia, the, uh, the, the domestic relations office uh, employs a constable. And if they cannot obtain service through certified mail, they will send the constable out to try to find the guy and hand it to him. Okay. Um, you mentioned before that, uh, that, that something gets uh, scheduled called a support conference. What, what, what's that and where's that held? So in most of the five county area, the support conference is your first level information gathering. In, in this five county area, normally you're in a conference setting and uh, it's an opportunity for both the attorney, if the parties have attorneys or the parties themselves to provide information regarding their income, tax returns that have been filed, as well as medical insurance and the cost, as well as maybe even costs that we previously referenced, such as the extracurricular or orthodontia expenses. And that conference is your first level where the information is basically um, exchanged between the parties and a recommendation for support is usually made at that first level conference. How soon after a person files for child support is this conference scheduled? In, in the five-county area, usually within two to four weeks, we do get the first conference listing. Okay. And um, who, who presides over this conference? A support conference officer will preside over the conference. During the conference, it is not an evidentiary hearing. No one is testifying. There is not a judge present. It's basically an information gathering and exchanging of information with a recommendation by a conference officer. And what kind of information is gathered? Well, we would have things such as pay stubs, uh, tax returns, information regarding if a person is self-employed, um, more detailed documents such as profit and loss statements. You would also have information regarding medical insurance, the cost of medical insurance, who's providing it. Uh, and we would also have information relating to those extra expenses, such as the extracurricular or medical expenses. Who's allowed to attend this conference? Ordinarily, only the parties to the action and their attorneys. Okay. And do again, do I have to have a lawyer to go to a support conference? You do not have to have a, an attorney present for the support conference, but we always highly recommend that uh, when you are filing for such things as child support, which is an important legal step that you should have an attorney to guide you not only through the process but to understand what you need to look for. Okay, and uh, what if a, a, a party really wishes they could have an attorney but they can't afford one? What happens at the conference level? In most of the counties, an attorney is not provided for you at the conference level, and in some of the counties in the five-county area, at the second level, if a resolution is not resolved at the support conference, a conference um, a conference person who is basically a representative from the domestic relations office is there on your behalf, the person who filed the complaint. But um, in the first level, you basically would have to attend on your own if you cannot afford an attorney. Okay, so I guess uh, uh, when we're talking about this conference, uh, the party is allowed to go in, they're allowed to take their attorney with them. They're not allowed to take uh, a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a, a parent or somebody that would provide support. Uh, and similarly, kind of at the other end of the, of the spectrum, you're not allowed to take an, an accountant with you either, correct? Correct. 
Okay. And um, uh, how, how soon after the conference, uh, assuming that there's some sort of an agreement, that uh, uh, would, would the, the person seeking child support start receiving that child support? The law actually provides that on the day of the conference, the first payment is to be made. But we do warn clients that not, you know, the first payment isn't only always made because some people don't bring their checkbooks or they don't have the money on them to make the first payment. If that's the case and the person's employed by a third party, then a wage attachment will immediately be issued. And we say to the client that usually within two paychecks, you should start receiving your money. If the person is self-employed, it sometimes can take a little longer. Um, and they're actually, you know, there are, there are penalties if an employer fails to attach wages timely. There's also penalties, certainly if the self-employed person does not send the money in as directed. And uh, again, it's my understanding that um, when you do start receiving child support, you have an account through the state, correct? Yes, all monies are paid through um, what's referred to as the PACES account system in Pennsylvania. And that way it keeps a complete and accurate accounting of all the monies uh, paid on behalf of the child. Okay. And um, uh, when, when, the, when the money is collected, how does it get to the recipient? All monies that are received um, by PACES, which is actually collected in Harrisburg, must be processed within 48 hours. We direct the client when they file, um, when they file their complaint and support to fill out a form which will allow for an immediate direct deposit. There's also uh, what's referred to as an EPI card, but we don't always recommend that because not every facility or store will take the EPI card. So it's better to just get the direct deposit and it's quicker. So once the mon monies get into this um, a bank account allocated in Harrisburg for that recipient, within 48 hours, the monies have to be turned over. Okay. My, uh, relative to the EPI card, I generally suggest that people do not get an EPI card because there's a fee associated Correct. with every transaction. So right. I like people to avoid the EPI card. So if the system works correctly and uh, the, the, the payor is a W-2 wage earner, the child support will be automatically deducted from that person's pay by the state. It will then get wired to the state Casey system that you've talked about, and then it will get wired into the checking account of the recipient, correct? Correct. And it's supposed to be done within 40 hour, 48 hours. And usually it's pretty timely. There are some delays sometimes based on the amount of the deposit or if the person paid by credit card, but normally the monies um, do try and get processed as quickly as possible. At that conference, what what if the uh, the 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 one parent the prospective payor shows up but he does not show up with any information what what's the the option of the of the domestic relations office in that situation the domestic relations office does have the power to issue um, subpoenas or requests for information for any known employers or any information and and i will say that it's not always done in every case although they do have the uh, the power to do that the recipient, the person who has filed for the child support at the conference level, really can't issue any subpoenas at the first level, but they can um, thereafter. And if the person has not shown that they, uh, they haven't shown up with any documents, but 
the person who is the recipient has any information, that can be provided to the conference officer and an order can be entered despite the fact that the person failed to appear with documents. Okay, and when you go to a support conference, uh, uh, my understanding is that you come out of there uh, there has to be a temporary order if you're requesting child support, For correct? child support, there must be a temporary order entered that day. Okay, so e even if the, uh, the, the two parties do not agree on the amount of support, there will be a temporary order such that something will get paid until there's a final determination of the, as to the appropriate amount, correct? Yes, the conference officer will make a recommendation and enter an order, and that will go out immediately to either the um, payors employer if it's a W-2 wage earner. Okay. And uh, you have some questions for me? Yes. Um, we've really covered a lot with respect to what is child support and how you file and then the specific process. What about how does the domestic relations section actually get the money from the other parent? Well, first of all, relative to the amount, I think you made reference to this before, which is that there's a, a statewide guidelines. There's a book that you and I have, and there's also a software package out there that uh, you, 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 that we can flip to a certain page and it has people's combined monthly net incomes. And then you can go to a column relative to one child, two children, three children, and there's the amount of support. And you just kind of break it down on a percentage basis between the two parents. So that's how the, the, the number is, is derived. And as you mentioned when we first started, if there's something over and above child support, that expense is broken down on a percentage basis based on each party's uh, share of the joint net income. So if one party makes 60% of the joint net income, the other party makes 40% of the joint net income, you have an expense for, say, childcare that's $1,000 a month. The, pay, the, the person paying 60% or that earns 60% of the joint net income will re be responsible for 60% uh, of that cost. Um, so that's 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 where those numbers are derived. So, uh, and and in terms of income, I mentioned net income. That's basically what you make uh, every week or two weeks or bi-monthly or however you get paid. Uh, that that amount less taxes, and that's basically all they take out is taxes. Other things might be union dues, but pretty much it's just taxes. So if I participate in a retirement plan through my employer. That's not going to be deducted in calculating the net income? The general answer to your question, Carolyn, is yes, that is not deducted. If you are a union employee, your union dues are, are able to be deducted. If you're somebody like a, a teacher or a in law enforcement and you have a mandatory retirement system and it's, it's required that uh, you contribute to that account, that's allowed to be taken out. But if you have the more common 401k plan where it's a voluntary uh, a voluntary contribution and it's voluntarily taken out of your pay, you can't deduct that from your monthly net income. Skip, what if we go and we get um, go to the conference and we get an order entered and the other parent just won't pay any money? What do I do? Do I have any remedies? Well, you, you, you do and each, each, each uh, domestic relations office is kind of graded by the state and graded by the federal government based on how much child support they uh, collect and what percentage of what's ordered is actually collected. So there is a whole arm in the 
uh, or of the domestic relations office that's there for enforcement and there to help the recipient get their money. Uh, in addition to that, if you do have a private attorney, your private attorney can file what's called a contempt petition and try to uh, 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 figure out if the uh, person who's supposed to be paying child support can pay child support and is failing to do so. And in those instances, they can attach the person's wages, they can attach bank accounts, the, uh, the domestic relations office can attach people's federal tax returns. You can attach things such as uh, workers' compensation uh, awards and things like that. Uh, there's a lot of things that, that can, can, can be done. What about professional licenses or any hunting license? Is there any enforcement against well, those? Well, the, the, the state statute has a whole list of uh, things that, that, that the state can do to you if you don't pay child support. They can, if you're a lawyer like we are, they can suspend your license. Uh, if you're a real estate agent, they can suspend your license, any sort of professional license. And for those who enjoy the great outdoors, you can take someone's hunting license. And I've seen cases where that is uh, more upsetting to a person than losing their driver's license. And what about um, jail? Can they be... Can they be sent to jail for not paying child support? It, it, it does happen, and it seems to vary not only from county to county, but judge to judge. Some judges are more uh, 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 stick with the program and, and don't like to deviate, and in those instances, uh, they usually give the person the opportunity to make a payment and as what's called purge themselves of the contempt, and if they make that payment and do that, they can go, but uh, if not, then they got to sit there until either somebody comes in with the purge amount and makes that payment so that they can go home. But they're in the, uh, the they're, they're a guest of the county until that amount is paid. And what about if I have to hire an attorney to enforce my right to collect child support? Do I have a right to get those fees back? Well, there are provisions that you can be awarded counsel fees. And uh, again, um, uh, going from judge to judge and county to county, um, where we practice and you do most of your work, Montgomery County, the judges seem to be very good about awarding council fees. And uh, uh, that's not necessarily across the board, but as I said, Montgomery County is very good about awarding council fees when somebody has to get a lawyer involved to make somebody do what they're supposed to do, particularly pay child support. You had mentioned regarding workers' compensation settlement or perhaps a personal injury or some other lump sum settlement, such as winning the lottery. Are those monies included in calculating child support? Uh, again, simple answer is yes. Sometimes if it's a, it's a very significant award, it'll be prorated over a period of time and, and, and you know, some of that will be deducted each month or each two weeks or whatever, but uh, uh, simple answer is yes, that's included within income and it's, it's, able, uh, it, it's able to make its way to the recipient of the child support. Uh, with respect to getting the money from the other parent, uh, what about in a situation where uh, perhaps the other side might be on disability. What if they're receiving Social Security or, or Social Security disability? Well, it is possible that that, that, that gets attached as well. And uh, the part of the problem with that is that 
that if the person is unable to uh, is unable to work and unable to make money, their income may be reduced and therefore child support reduced because of the fact that uh, they're just not making as much as they used to because of this disability. Now, did you have any questions regarding what happens when when the child actually turns eighteen? Yeah, what, when, when a child turns 18, uh, you told us before that child support stops. How, how, uh, what's a, a, a parent's obligation when their child reaches the age of 18? So a few months before the child turns age 18, the domestic relations offices will actually send out notices to the parent who, um, who is the recipient of the child support. And they'll ask to confirm that the child is not only age 18, but graduating from high school. And they can send simply send a form back stating that, yes, it needs to be terminated. If there are other children on the order, they might also recommend a modification. You can also hire an attorney who would file a petition to terminate or modify the support based on the child reaching um, majority. Carolyn, here, let me share a, an unfortunate kind of situation with you, and you tell me what, what happens in this situation. Let's say that, that parents separated when child was 10 years old, and uh, mom had custody of the child, and mom sought child support from dad, and dad paid for a while, and then dad kind of disappeared. He kind of went elsewhere. Nobody was quite sure where he went, and child support continued to accumulate and accrue against them, but he wasn't paying it. Now, the child turns 18. What happens to that back child support that should have been owed in, in, in the situation she's told us about where the kid turns 18 and graduates from high school? So going forward, certainly the child support is no longer um, calculated against the payor spouse. But any arrears, any monies that have accumulated from the date of filing until the order is terminated, still um, will be collected by domestic relations office either at some point when the spouse is located, the father of the child is located, or the parent paying the child support is located by the domestic relations office. Uh, and if any monies can be attached or, or um, after the parent, it's highly, you know, highly likely that those monies will be attached because they want to make sure that the child receives support so long as there is a person out there who is able to pay it. Let's take my scenario back a few years. Let's say that uh, mom and dad have separated. And, and again, I don't want to pick on dads, but let's say that, that dad has, you know, he's not particularly in the picture and, and mom uh, is trying to seek child support. Um, uh, but she, you, you represent her in, in the divorce, and she says to you, eh, it's not even worth filing for child support against him because he's kind of a, a goofy kind of guy, and, and I don't know where he is. So uh, what, what, what would you say to a client in that situation? Well, we always still highly recommend filing because at some point, if the person ever comes into money, whether it's a settlement or they get a job, you're going to collect it. The other concern is if you fail to file for a long period of time on behalf of the child, um, there, is a, there is basically a claim that can be made called latches where you have basically sat on your rights to collect the child support and you may be then forever barred from going after child support. 
think you and I have kind of talked about these situations before, and you tell me, I don't know what it is with these guys, but they always seem to fall into money. So the advice to a parent in that situation is that if you have a spouse or another parent that, uh, that, that, that you don't think is ever going to get any money, file anyway, because the, the arrears will accumulate and you never know, you might get something out. Of right. It. You never know when um, when money might come into the picture and you want to be prepared to have the child support action filed because it is retroactive. And let's take another situation, which is that uh, uh, you have somebody who's kind of at the other end of the spectrum. They're very, very wealthy and they don't work. They don't go out every day to a job, but they have like a trust or they uh, uh, receive income in, 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 in that means. Mm-hmm. Is that... Uh, sufficient income to make child support due and owing? Pretty much income in Pennsylvania is from any source. So income from a trust can be calculated towards child support and it definitely would be considered income. Okay. And we talked before about uh, that uh, we're talking about the system in Pennsylvania. Let's assume for a minute that, uh, uh, that uh, mom and dad were living in New Jersey and uh, something happened and, and, and mom basically packed up and brought the kids with her and moved into her parents' house in Pennsylvania. Can she file for child support in Pennsylvania or does she have to go to New Jersey to do that? If she's living in uh, Pennsylvania with the child for the requisite period of time, she can absolutely file child support on the child's behalf in Pennsylvania. Okay, and now how's that work? Because he's in New Jersey and she's in Pennsylvania. So uh, Pennsylvania can send uh, notice uh, to the New Jersey Domestic Relations Office where the father is residing, and the father can actually appear in the New Jersey office and does not have to appear in Pennsylvania for the hearing, and, and the person can be available by telephone, and an order can still be entered in Pennsylvania against the pay or parent so that uh, child support can be put into effect. Now, my understanding is that there is a a whole area of practice of uh, interstate support, correct? Yes, there is. And they have their own collection means and they have their own locator means and uh, basically a whole section of the domestic relations office that only deals with uh, interstate support actions. And my experience has been that the farther south the state is, the slower they act in getting the child support uh, up and active and collecting it. That it could states, be. <laughs> states around us are generally pretty good about it, but some of the southern states don't move as quickly as some of the northern states. What if the, 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 the parent that you seek child support from is in the military? If they're in the military, uh, the military automatically assigns a benefit that must be paid. Very, It's actually very simple to get um, the payment of child support because it's mandated by law. And once they're put on notice of an action of child support, the derivative benefit is paid to the recipient. Let's, let's, I, using again my scenario there, or let's take some, some real life scenarios. Uh, uh, one parent is paying child support to the other parent, and they've been paying child support for a couple of years. And um, uh, one parent gets a new job and a nice big raise. What's that do to child support? So child support's always modifiable. 
you can you if you believe that one parent has um, has an increase in income, then you absolutely have a right to file a petition to modify. And the modification is retroactive to the date of filing, but there's also a provision in the statute which, which says that if the other person failed to provide information or withheld the information regarding an increase, it can be retroactive to the date of the increase as well. Okay. Let's say that, again, you know, people have been separated for a couple of years and um, they've uh, been paying child support and, uh, and, and, and dad remarries and dad marries a woman who's uh, got a really nice job and she makes several hundred thousand dollars a year. Does that stepmother's income affect dad's child support obligation? So ordinarily, no. The Any um, third person's income in a household is not relevant to the calculation of child support in Pennsylvania, but it can be looked at too as the available income in the household um, if there's either further deviations or or whether there is some ability to pay the child support. My understanding is that the support guidelines say that it is considered and fact finders read the word considered a little differently from county to county and from fact finder to fact finder. And that's correct. Because I've had people that, uh, that, that uh, the spouse is, is married to someone that makes uh, $300,000 a year and they're like, eh, I don't think that that's, that's enough to, 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 to deviate. Uh, whereas uh, I have seen other counties where they would consider that. So again, some of this stuff is dependent on the county and the fact finder that you're um, in uh, that you're in front of. Um, let's say again that I pay child support uh, to my ex-wife and she has my child. Do I have any right to ask her for an accounting of where that money's going? Uh, there is no right to request an accounting of how the money is used. The court basically takes the position that the child is um, has a roof provided for them. You know, they're eating and they have clothing provided and basic necessities. And there is no requirement that the other side account for the monies that they're receiving in child support. In my experience, that's the question that every payor of child support asks. And unfortunately, the answer is no. It's going in the door to help put a roof over the kid's head and pay the utilities and feed the kid and clothe the kid, but there's nothing for an accounting. Um, and, and again, let's say I, I, I'm paying my ex-wife way more in child support than she needs to put a roof over the head uh, of the child and, and to pay the utilities and then that. Uh, can I get a reduction for that? We're in a statewide guide. We have statewide guidelines in Pennsylvania. So the guidelines basically dictate what the child's going to receive. And uh, in ordinarily, the court's not going to deviate from what the guidelines can show. There may be some um, exceptions or circumstances. And again, you do have to look to your county and who the fact finder is. But ordinarily, they're not going to deviate from what's been directed in the guidelines. Carolyn, thank you for chatting with me about uh, child support, and uh, we'll talk, we're talking child support this time, and we'll have other episodes of Let's Talk, Let's talk Family Law in the future. Uh, uh, but if anyone out there that's listening to this podcast has any questions about child support, specifically Pennsylvania child support, 
we're happy to talk to them. The general office phone number in Norristown of our family law department is 610-272-5555. And my email address is spersick, S-P-E-R-S-I-C-K, at wglaw.com. Carolyn, what's your email address? And my email address is C Mirabile, M-I-R-A, B-I-L-E at WGLaw.com. And thank you for listening. And as we said, there will be further uh, episodes of Let's Talk Family Law in the future. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Let's Talk Family Law. We hope you join us next month for another episode. If you would like to listen to this podcast again, share it with others, or tune into other episodes in the series, please visit our website at www.wglaw.com.